You're listening to the Mangroves to Mountains podcast, where we talk all things outdoors, hunting, fishing, paddling, camping, adventure travel, and more. Thanks for listening. Hey guys, if you'd like to support the podcast, please go to Patreon and search up Jim Dusayas. Thanks a lot. Got it. Okay, Don Davis. How are you, buddy? Hey, man. I'm doing good, Jim. How you doing? Pretty good. Long time no see. Uh, yeah, what? Uh, two days. Holy cow. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and uh, yeah, we saw each other at uh, TBOF and Silver Springs for the uh, state archery trad shoot. What do you think of that? I know you've been there many times. Oh, God. Yeah, I've been um, um, going since the second time that they uh, that they had and it was at a, at a private ranch. I can't even remember the ranch's name. Um, went there, I shot with, uh, Ronnie Weatherman, the late Ronnie Weatherman and God mm-hmm. rest him. Uh, he was, uh, you know, good friend. Um, and, uh, Ronnie Everett and, uh, Charlie Kroll, my, on my, at my first TBOF shoot. Wow. Uh, cool. And, uh, for, for, for the listeners who don't know, uh, TBOF is, uh, uh, an acronym for the, uh, traditional bow hunters of Florida. And um, so I'm guessing the first one was somewhere in the, in 89, maybe 90, something like that. I think, uh, you know, and I was at the second one. Wow. Uh, that, uh, it, was, it was really cool uh, shooting with uh, Charlie Kroll, who my memory serves me, was um, Fred Bear's uh, uh, son-in-law, if I recall correctly. Yeah, I knew, I knew there was a connection to Fred Bear, but I couldn't remember how, but yeah, okay. Yeah, there's some, some relationship there. I mean, I, I, I know he was on a few of the the adventures uh, with Fred and maybe um, Glenn St. Charles, so um, and a wonderfully nice fellow and, um, and uh, uh, just, you know, obviously a wealth of knowledge, but, but yeah, I've been going through the TBOF uh, ever since then. Um, I may have missed a couple. I missed I missed one because of COVID, and uh, uh, one or two for you know uh, you know some conflicting other issues. But uh, I try not to miss them. I try to go at least for a day. It's it's always fun, and the most fun is catching up with uh, with guys like yourself. You know that that we talk, but we don't get to see each other much, and uh, so that was a. Uh, that's always a treat for me. That's, that's the best part. Shooting a shooting a few arrows and losing a few arrows. Yeah, that's just that's just uh, you know an excuse. To go I think that's the first one that I've been to that I didn't lose an arrow or break an arrow. But I didn't. To be to be honest, I didn't shoot a lot. I only went through the fun round twice. Didn't do the Iron Man, which is an arrow killer. <laughs> and uh, yeah, I I've, I've, honestly, I've never done the Iron Man. I tend only to shoot the. Uh, Back in the day, I could shoot the competition round, and, and probably about half the time I was in first flight. And of oh, course, wow. there was always some, somebody that was going to, you know, the final day that was just going to smoke me. Um, he'd have to fall apart, and I'd have to, uh, uh, you know, shoot a perfect round in order to win. But uh, at one time, I was a pretty decent shot. Now I'm just happy to come back with no broken arrows or no lost arrows. <laughs> so, but I shoot the front range for the most part, and and uh same here that allows us a lot of leeway to uh to cut up and uh <laughs> you know, poke each other as they're shooting or something oh yeah 
<laughs> or you know mess with somebody try to make them lose an arrow so it's, a, yeah. it's always it's i heard fun. one of, i don't remember which which target it was but before the shot i was already like you know <laughs> my usual short draw and you know snap shooting and then Somebody said, well, don't miss the deer because if it goes beyond much beyond a deer, there's a bunch of hornets back there. I was like, well, if my arrow misses the deer, that arrow's staying right there. I'm not going back there. Yellow jackets. So uh, yeah. I heard somebody had an encounter with yellow jackets on that that particular that that target. Did you hear that or no? I, I did not hear that, but on a on a on a similar note, uh, uh, one of the fellows there, I believe it was Mark uh Harrison. Mark Harrison yeah and he was he asked me because you may have noticed I was carrying around my snake stick oh yeah <laughs> and uh, it wasn't for because of snakes it was to you know fish arrows out of the underbrush and he goes why do you got a snake stick I, and I just jokingly with him I go I go man I shot it earlier and we ran across 17 rattlesnakes and venomous snakes and and one of them struck me and thank god I had my uh my leggings on and he immediately runs over to his kids who are in little sneakers and, and shorts. And I had to run after him. No, 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 buddy. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. <laughs> so. Well, he was going to go find it because, you know, he makes tabs out of just about every snake and whatever roadkill he can find. So uh, he was probably trying to catch it. Oh, he, I think he was, he was, wor he was genuinely worried about his kids. Oh, the running kids. Okay. Gotcha. <laughs> So I felt I kind of I kind of felt bad for about you know five seconds. <laughs> <laughs> so Don, you want to just introduce yourself briefly, and I think many listeners uh, in the trad community, especially, will will know who you are. But you want to just introduce yourself. Well, um, yeah, my name's Don Davis. I've uh, lived in Florida. Um, in fact, I've lived in the same town in Florida for. Uh, my entire life that I can remember ever since my dad moves us here when I was two and the, the, the town is a, a little town doesn't exist anymore but we still like it is uh, O'Galley, uh, O'Galley, Florida is a part of Melbourne on the mm -hmm. east uh, east coast of Florida just below Cape Canaveral and dad uh, worked at the space in the space program so you know that's one of the perks of, uh, of living here I've seen hundreds if not thousands who knows of launches over the years um I've, so i've lived uh shoot i'll be 61 actually tomorrow oh and, happy birthday uh, thank you thank you so i've lived here since uh for uh just shy of uh, 59 years um wow. it's it's you know as you know it's uh, it's a wildly different place than it was um was back uh back in the day just back uh 15 or 20 years ago it's wildly different but um i gotta wish uh, you i have to wish you chronia pola which in greek means many years or really means many more years so chronia pola ah happy birthday in greek <laughs> ah uh, gesundheit um, <laughs> well, thank you thank you i appreciate it thank, <laughs> thank you very much i think the uh, japanese me being i'm half japanese is uh Omideto uh, Gazimus, I believe that would be the proper phrase for for happy birthday. But uh, the thank you would be a domo aligato gazimashita. So wow. thank you, Japanese, back at you. Um, but anyways, uh, uh, archery wise, I've been um, bow hunting ever since I was about fifteen, maybe sixteen. 
started out with a bare black tail uh, compound and utilized that and then later a uh, Cougar Mag, Martin Cougar Magnum when I was in college. And then sometime right around 1986, I've always been intrigued by the, uh, by the uh, uh, recurve bow and uh, the bear recurve, the, the, the little short one. I can't remember which one that is. Is that a super, super? Kodiak Magnum? Maybe, yeah, Kodiak Magnum, I believe. And I uh, always was intrigued by that. So uh, back around 85 or 86, I um, jumped into the traditional archery, traditional bow hunting world. And man, I've never looked back. It's been wonderful for me. Mm -hmm. And you know, of course, the fishing, you know, I grew up on the Indian River Lagoon. So I mean, walking distance from the Indian River Lagoon in the, in the 60s and 70s, it just didn't get any better than that. I saw a picture of um, somebody posted on Facebook today a uh, uh, saying uh, his buddy caught a 21-inch gator trout. So I guess <laughs> just like just like everything, everything the standards uh, have changed. <laughs> packet, packaging, you know, and mar everything's getting smaller these days. So I guess gator trout are getting smaller, just like you know, ice cream containers or or potato chip bags or whatever. Um, but yeah, in order to be a gator trout when I was growing up, it pretty much had to top 10 pounds. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it, had to, it had to be a 30 plus inch trout. That's what I was thinking. More like 31 would be a gator trout. Wow. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And, um, and thick, you know, it had to be a thick one, but now, you know, that's just, things have changed and, you know, over, over time. And then, uh, as far as hunting, is most of your hunting bow hunting been in Florida or have you, you've traveled some too, I imagine? I've done, I've done a little traveling as I've, as I've gotten older. Um, uh, but the, the huge preponderance of my bow hunting experience is Florida. Um, I mean, percentage wise, it would be, you know, high nineties, but I have uh, hunted some in Alabama, um, Montana, Georgia, very little bit in Georgia, and um, Illinois. I, and I, I still go to Illinois. Um, and I've been fortunate to take uh, uh, take bucks in every state except for Georgia. I've never killed a deer in Georgia for some odd reason. Uh, maybe because I'm a sorry hunter, but uh, <laughs> um, I've done well in Montana and Illinois and in, uh, in Alabama. In fact, Alabama. Um, for five years there I was just it was do you know five day hunt it was multiple multiple deer um deer hunts it was it was really really good in the in the black belt mm -hmm. so, lots of deer there right I've heard oh yeah lots of deer lots of deer and and um stupid enough to run into my arrow that's the important part yeah, yeah. duck the ducked into the arrow yeah exactly exactly so you know, like I, I say, I, I never miss. Um, I never miss a deer. Just sometimes the deer's not following the script. Yeah. So. <laughs> and have you always hunted with recurves or longbows too? Or you know, most is uh, started off with recurves. Um, Same you know, here. Shot a variety of them, but maybe for the last um, oh, I don't know, maybe. Uh, 15 years, the longbows really, uh, really grabbed a hold of me. And I tend to shoot it more naturally now than I do a recurve. 
But don't get me wrong, I dearly love my recurves. In fact, I hunted this season, the entire season with a recurve. Um, and uh, But as soon as the season was over, I picked up my longbow. Mm. So I, I kind of swap them in and out a little bit. But once I commit to one, I, I usually stay with that, uh, that bow for the season. Um, I won't, I won't switch them out. Um, unless, unless, you know, obviously unless we, you get a malfunction or you break it or, or something, you know, you know, always, always keep a spare with me on my hunts. Gotcha. So, Don, if you wouldn't mind, tell, tell the, the listeners what about the bow you had that you showed me this at TBOF that you were shooting. Oh man. Um, <laughs> okay, well, I, I recently retired and uh, Dick Robertson of Robertson Stick Bows is, is, is a dear friend of mine. Now, I've, I've been fortunate to hunt with him in Montana. Um, and actually, uh, I wrote an article about that hunt uh, uh, with him and Don Thomas in, uh, in Traditional Bow Hunter called um, Friends in Snow Places. How cheesy is the title is that? <laughs> uh, Friends in Snow Places. I remember reading it, though. It was very good. Enjoy. Oh, well, thank you. Thanks. Uh, careful editing by uh, Jay Campbell and Don Thomas made me look good. But um, in any case, uh, I, I called Dick up and I, I have a number of his longbows already. And I said, I want to make a, a special bow. I want to make a retirement bow for, you know, gift to myself. And uh, I have all of my longbows have exotic woods that he's made, you know, uh, a Bacote or Coca-Bola and whatnot. Um, I said, I want this to be entirely a North American themed bow. So we started talking about it. He came up with um, a combination that is uh, is was just huge in my mind. Um, the core wood for the bow um, was uh, Earl Ulrich U. And Dick had acquired this some 30 or 40 years ago from Earl Ulrich. And for those people who don't know who Earl Ulrich is, he was the supplier of high quality U for most bowyers way back in the day, the early 1900s. And so Dick was a young man at the time, just I think a fledgling bowyer. And he acquired this U from Earl who was maybe in his eighties or nineties at the time. But Earl Ulrich supplied the U for um, Saxon Pope and Art Young for their bows. Amazing. So, okay, wow, that's really, that's really stepping back in that. And I'm kind of a, a, a historical nut along, along certain lines. And, and that's one, I'm sorry. So there's a, there's an attachment right there to Pope and Young um, with that, with that core wood. A direct so, attachment. Yeah. I mean, that's incredible. Yeah, it's, 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 it's really incredible. The next uh, part of the bow is the veneers. And the veneers, it's, it's a laminated bow. It's nothing, you know, you know, hand carved with a, a, a piece of flint or anything. It's, you know, it's, a, it's a modern laminated bow. <clears throat> but the, the veneer laminates are of special U that Dick has been squirreling this wood away for special occasions. And maybe I, I may not be able to, should be talking about it, but tough. Uh, Dick's going to have to do it. But um he uh the the U that he put on the veneers is U that um Jay Massey in him cut, you know, again, maybe 
25 or no, it's probably had more like 30 years ago. I think Jay passed away in the late nineties. I'm not, I'm not a hundred percent sure, but again, if any listeners don't know who Jay Massey is, uh, Google him. He is, he is, uh, uh, the, one of the gurus of, uh, of traditional primitive archery, <clears throat> just a, 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 a genius along, uh, along the lines of, uh, and then we'll just a legend along the lines of Bohan. Yeah. And then one, Dick of the big, one of the biggest names in archery. One of the biggest names. And of course, Dick Robertson. I mean, how legendary is Dick Robertson? Yes. Yeah. Um, you know, Dick is still with us, thankfully. And, um, and he's not an old man by no means. So I've got a, a bow that has, that was crafted by Dick Robertson, a long bow. Um, oh, <laughs> the tips. The tips are doll sheep horn tips that Dick, um, acquired in the, I believe in the Brooks range, maybe, or somewhere, um, that he used those as, uh, overlays or, you know, so it's got sheep horn tips again, all North American. So I've got a bow that has the hand of Dick Robertson, Jay Massey and Earl Ulrich in it. And when we were talking, discussing the, the bow, um, I go, man, that, that's just, that's just, he goes, I said, that's just good mojo. And um, I, Dick goes, man, that is like big medicine right there. And I go, Dick, that's not big medicine. That's huge medicine. And it's stuck. So mm -hmm. Dick goes, that's the name of your bow. Your bow is going to be named huge medicine. And it is. He scribed it on the bow, you know, for Don Davis, huge medicine for Don Davis. And um, it shoots like a dream. Um, and it, and it, interestingly, it's, a, it's an older bow. The, the the design um is a is a bow that i i have that's really um really good and i wanted him to replicate it but he doesn't make that bow anymore mm. um, i believe it's called the vision um it, it, they, the, the names with his bows are interchangeable dick's kind of um kind of uh, funny that way but uh i sent him the bow that i liked and told him to replicate it do not change anything on the bow I send you because it shoots perfectly. And he gets my, my old bow and he goes, he calls me up. He goes, I have to do something to it. I go, what? He goes, well, have you been using this bow as a walking stick? What, what <laughs> I've been trying to chop wood with it. It's beat all the hell. Like I've been hunting with it, you know, occasionally I'm going to throw it, I'm have to throw it across a small, small Creek or a ditch or something, you know? You know, but it's a longbow. It should, it's a Robertson longbow. It should take it, and it does take it. So uh, he he, I told him he could refinish the bow, but that was the the extent of which he could uh, he could mess with it. And, he, and that's all that happened. And um, and, and those are char character marks, right? Character marks, exactly, exactly. So and that bow was a killer for me. I, I shot I shot some good deer with it. Um, but but uh, yeah, I'm just I'm just tickle pink. They shoot identical. He did it such a good job. They, the handle's identical. They shoot identical. Um, and, and so, you know, you know, as well as I do, you could have a 54-pound bow at your draw and another 54-pound bow. They're going to shoot different, even though they look exactly the same. Mm. These are identical. He did a remarkable job. Dick, wow. Dick, Dick is the man. There's no, no yeah, doubt about it. Long bows. I mean, he's not the, the best. Only, one of the best, for sure. He's not the only bow you are used, but uh, he's, uh, he's definitely uh, got a magical touch. Mm -hmm. especially with longbows i think what, what arrows do you shoot out of those mostly uh, I'm, I'm a wood guy for the most part um 
Um, that's, that's another thing. I shoot uh, um, currently shooting uh, from two um, two Fletchers, um, uh, Andy Ponce from uh, Addictive Archery out in Oregon makes a wonderful arrow. I believe Flip Flip is shooting his arrows primarily. But right now I'm shooting, I'm out of the longbow, I'm shooting a Port Orford Cedar that were crafted by um, uh, Tom Parsons from Kimshaw Archery. Mm-hmm. Uh, Tom passed away in the last year. And um, I, I'm fortunate that I have a, a habit of ordering a couple dozen arrows from my whoever's making my arrows at any, you know, every year, whether I need them or not. So I've got a little, little stockpile of them, but they're kind of special. And, and, um, and Tom um, is a big name in the, in the uh, uh, traditional archery world as well. And he made a great bow. Um, I think Flip has a couple of his bows, I believe, but. uh, Yeah, I had um, like a, I had one, like a dummy. I sold it. It was a Matta Woman 2, I believe. And it was like a long, long bow, but the, I don't know what, I think because um, just tip to tip was a little bit too long for me because at the time I was shooting out of ground blinds a lot. And I needed something a little shorter, but I should not have sold that bow. I have that feeling about a couple of bows. That's uh, don't we, 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 you know, you're, you're not the lone ranger. I think every traditional archer has regrets about a bow they sold. Yeah. Um, but uh, Tom once told me, and he was the most wonderful fella. He was up in Maryland, but uh he once told me, he goes, you know, I make a pretty good bow, but I make a hell of an arrow. Mm. He, he, he was not kidding. He made a hell of an arrow. Um, so he, he, he was, uh, he was my primary Fletcher, but I'm, I'm, I'm thankful that, uh, um, I have Andy Ponce at Addictive Archery as a, as a contact and a friend that I can, I can get arrows of, of, uh, of similar quality, no doubt, mm. high quality arrows. So I'm very, very happy with that. So, and then you said, you mentioned that you hunted with a recurve this year, right? I did. Yeah, and which which bow was that? Oh, um, on recurves, man, my, I got a special place in my heart for the Schaefer Silver Tip. Oh yeah. And so I, I was I was hunting with one of the newer Silver Tips, um, uh, made by Dave Windower, mm-hmm. and uh, I can't even remember the specs of the one. I think it's. Um, I think I was coming in in the low 50s, maybe high 40s with it. I actually did shoot a carbon arrow this year and uh, killed a deer with a carbon arrow. I killed two deer my entire life with uh, a carbon arrow. I killed one deer with an aluminum arrow and 50 plus or more, some everything, everything else with wood. But um, the... Uh, the recurve. I was just. I just was shooting. I had not dialed in um, uh, the new bow, and I wanted to hunt with the new with huge medicine. Um, and I hadn't quite uh, felt like I was dialed in. Although it's as it turns out, it shot. I was monkeying around too. I was going in the rabbit hole, and I just went back to what was shooting well out of the other long bow, and it shot just exactly the same. But I, um, I felt like I didn't have enough time with it uh, in order to hunt with it this year, so I hunted with the recurve, and um, you know, you know, there's nothing wrong with hunting with the recurve. Okay, sorry about that, Don. Um, so where were we? 
a recurse. Oh, well, we were, yeah, we were on the on the Schaefer silver tip, but the, yeah. um, the silver tip, the newer silver tips, I, I have a couple of them right now. And uh, uh, the newer one is um, made by Dave Wendauer. Actually, they're both made by Dave Wendauer, Wendauer but uh, uh, he makes a, a, a fine recurve. Um, the he took Paul. I think he took Paul Schaefer's original um, design, maybe tweaked it just a little bit. But the craftsmanship, I think he upped the game over. Not not saying anything against Paul, but up the game over what Paul um, would offer. And again, it was different different times. You know, materials are better, glues are better, you sure. know, technology's better. So everything's better now. But um, I have a, another silver tip um, that is I, it's an original Paul Schaefer design. I had an original Paul Schaefer silver tip. Um, got it back in the 80s. Uh, you know, of course, back then when you ordered a bow, you had to speak with the bowyer. You did everything by phone and mail. And so I mailed him, uh, you know, I spoke with him. We talked about it and I mailed him a check. I think the silver tip, I think I paid somewhere in the neighborhood of $500 for this bow. Wow. Okay, brand, new, brand new from Paul Schaefer. Well, <laughs> But that was uh, high dollars then, though, right? High I mean, dollar, big dollars then. Big dollars for a guy making about 500 a month, you know. And um, I get the bow, and I, I shoot it. I love it. I kill some big deer. And uh, then uh, we, uh, Paul Schaefer, I guess he died in the late 90s, early 90s, early 90s. And um, soon after, about two years after he died, I was hunting a management area up, uh, up in uh, central Florida in a rainstorm. So I stuck my, I was in a tree stand. I stuck my bow in between my legs on the, in the tree stand. It's kind of, you know, save my fletchings, you know, keep them. Oh yeah. Away. Yeah. All of a sudden I feel whack and a horrendous noise. And I looked down and my recurves in two pieces. It snapped at the throat of the grip, snapped right into Oh my gosh! And, um, just it must have been a, just a little bit of a little bit of a space in the lamination, then got the moisture in, it and it just went, just blew up. So you weren't, Dave, you weren't hurt though, were you? My gosh! No, 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 wasn't hurt. I wasn't holding the bow, but uh, you know, it was it was down there near the nether region. I was so. going to say, I might, I was thinking lower. You might have gotten hurt. <laughs> you know, thank God I was, you know, you know, had a hard seat. But um, <laughs> uh, Dave was. Um, uh, made me a, uh, a replacement handle based on the old uh, old design. And then about two years after that, I got the new handle in. Um, two years after I get the new handle in, I leave my Schaefer on top of the buggy at hunting camp. And, the, and it gets out of the shade and the sun hits it. I go up to grab it and the upper limb is just completely folded over. Oh, and I was just heartbroken. So I send, um, I still have the limbs actually, but I send the handle back to Dave. He makes me new limbs for the bow. So I have an original Schaefer silver tip uh, by Paul Schaefer made by Dave Wendauer. <laughs> so, you know, you know my, my original Schaefer ended up uh, because of breakages uh, becoming a Wendauer silver tip. It's uh, kind, of, kind of funny and sad at the same time, but I still have the original silver tip limbs the delaminated ones they have uh, a doll sheep horn tips on them and i don't know what to do with it i just can't bear give 
I can't bring myself to throw them out. Oh no, that's that's part of history. That's part yeah, of archery history, you know. It is. I'm thinking of trying to maybe trying to make a, a bow rack out of them, or that sounds cool, or, or something, or even keychains with the uh, with the two tips. The tips. Yeah, or you know something along those lines. But uh, I even I even thought about uh, putting them in the fire and just uh, a symbolic uh, gesture, but I can't do that. Mm -hmm. So, but anyways, uh, story of the silver tips. And I, you right. know, I have a, a scattering of other bows. Uh, um, my buddy, I got a Tommy Allen longbow. You met Tommy at the TBOF. Yeah. Uh, mm -hmm. um, he makes a wonderful recurve. That was beautiful. In fact, his his recurve um, is the preferred is flip palette in Diane Palette's favorite um, favorite uh, recurve. Where, where is he from, Don? He's in Melbourne. He's right here he in is. Melbourne with me. I've known. I've known Tommy. In fact, he was very instrumental in getting me um, getting me started in traditional archery in the eighties. So wow. I've known Tommy for a very long time. That's as pretty a recurve as I've ever seen. He it's it's in there. Great shooters. Mm -hmm. great shooters. I've been I've been after him for years. He was making only longbows. I was after him for years to make um, uh, a recurve for me. So now that I he's making recurves. I wanted to make a long, but I said, man, he, you're, you're absolutely opposite of my desires now. <laughs> but I do have one of his longbows and it's a great shooter, but, um, and then, you know, flip, uh, shoots a uh, Dick Robertson stick bow as well, a longbow, but on the recurve side, he has a Tommy's Tommy's recurve and he, he, he shoots it. He shoots it very, very, very well. And Diane, Diane as well. She's, she's a fledgling archer, but man, she is uh, really coming along. Awesome. Um, very, very, proud about that yeah, by the way thank you for introducing me to them on saturday because i'd never met flip i'd seen him at a couple like i don't know shallow water anglers expos or some i seen him walking by but i was always too, too intimidated at, at the time to walk up and introduce myself but that was that was pretty cool seeing uh seeing oh you're there quite well he's he, he's happy happy to meet uh folks like you um uh he's he's a he's a Everything that you think of him from the TV, from his TV show, it, 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 he is. Mm -hmm. um, uh, I, I've noticed, you know, we've become great friends over the last few decades, and uh, um, so I, 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 I can be rather, uh, you know, casual, you know, with him, just like I would with you or anybody else. Uh, but I notice that people are very formal in his setting, like they're. Like they're talking to the king, which they are, but they're talking way, to the king, yeah. And uh, uh, so you know, and he appreciates the attention, but uh, he also appreciates uh, uh, the uh, you know the the, the fact that uh, you know he can be amongst he the people at TBOF. He he will tell you they're his people. That's great. Well, he he, he drove up uh, Saturday and he goes. He goes, how wonderful it is, is it to see all of these people running around with real bows and arrows and these kids running around with real bows and arrows. Did you notice how many kids there were this weekend? It was. I've never lot. seen that many kids. I, I was getting the biggest kick out of there's a, a group of uh, two girls and a young boy. My, I tipped the hat to the young boy. Um, shooting ahead of us on the fun range and they were having a blast shooting the bow they were maybe in the you know 10 or 11 range just 
and uh, shooting on the fun range. <laughs> the kids were on the on the fun range were shooting um just have shooting their long bows all of them had long bows by the way and and uh just hitting the target i was listening they were laughing and giggling and just you know not cutting up or just, they were focused on their on their shooting but having a grand old time and it was just very heartwarming to see that you know so I, I love i love thank you parents i don't know whose kids they were but thank you the parents that let your kids go out there and do that kind of stuff you know um yeah i feel I feel a little bit better about the, the future of traditional. Art. I felt I feel the same way after the weekend seeing that. But um, when my son, I took my son there. He might have been four or five for the first time. He's seventeen now, and he loved it so much. But he was like sort of. I mean, he had a bow since he's been three years old. But I, he just wanted to play, like climb trees and do all that. And I was like, Nick, there's you know there's an there's a fun range. We can go shoot the fun range. And he wasn't interested until I mentioned that there's a there's a dinosaur target. Wait, what? <laughs> Stegosaurus target. Then he was all about that. And then you know, I got him on the fun range and he had a blast. And yeah, so I wanted him to come this this time, but we he couldn't make it because of schoolwork. But um, you know, next year we're gonna go for sure. And you know, he's also in that age age group where uh you know, archery and bow hunting is going to, you know, it's going to kind of get a little bit of a backseat to, to other activities, you know, other, other interests. <laughs> yeah. you know, we've, all, we've all been there, you know, I yes. mean, you know, um, you might describe it in hunting terms as the rut, but uh, <laughs> <laughs> if his next wells up, you better watch out. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> now, if Mark had been the guest, he would have used another term, Harrison. <laughs> I have to have a filter when he's on. As a guest. Oh, good. Oh, good. Well, yeah, yeah. yeah. We're keeping it clean, but feel free to whatever. <laughs> yeah, the rut. <laughs> I like that. Yep. Yeah. So, hey, you know, mother, mother nature is mother nature. We all, we all have to adhere to her standards. But uh, <laughs> yeah, it was it, the, the traditional the, the TBOF man. It's what a what a lot of fun. You know, a couple. You know, I look forward to the TBOF um, shoot every year. I don't do the summer shoot. They call it the fall shoot in August. Oh, right. Yeah. What, what a what a what a uh, a label of uh, false advertising that is. But uh, <laughs> it's still a wonderful event. But um, I've done the charity shoot in January a few times. Uh, that's the one in the canyons, right? Yeah, that's the one in the canyons. Now um, used to be another a thing. Used to be at the uh, at the same other facility, the same facility as a spring shoot. Mm -hmm. But I look forward to to the TBOF every year, and I really look forward to um, uh, going to the uh, Professional Bowhunter Society um, banquet in um, every every other year. Which I'm at, I'm actually leaving, um, flying out to Reno in um, uh, ten days, and you know there all you know you know, all my old friends uh, will be there and. Some of the some of the bigger names uh, in archery, which I've, you know, just by being a PBS member, I've grown to be very close friends and hunting partners and fishing partners with, and um, and, and that's how I met Dick Robertson was at through PBS, um, and uh, so are you are you a member of Compton as well? I am. I've never been to one of their um, uh, functions though. I, I really would like to. Yeah, the, uh, but the rendezvous looks great. I'd love to do that sometime. It's just tough being a teacher because they're usually it's when it's either well, it's always Father's Day weekend, I believe. But um, I'm all, there's just something going on every year. But I, I need to go 
and to get there. Yeah, it's, yeah, it's so so far away, but maybe uh, maybe we can carve out some time one day, and I'll you know, and we'll carpool up together or something. Yeah, and get get up there and, and take it, and, it, and it'll be much of the same as uh, many of many many of the uh, PBS members are members of Compass. As oh well. yeah, for sure. So uh, they're I think, both great think, great organizations for sure. Yeah, and I, I think they um, they coexist nicely right now, and uh, um, you know may have been a little uh, uh, headbutting in the initial formation stages, but uh, I think that's all all long resolved. And uh, um, I know PBS is supportive of Compton's and vice versa from what I've seen. So very, very happy to see that. Yeah. So, yeah we do need to make, we do need to make one of their rendezvous. Mm -hmm. so. Definitely. So. And then I was, you know, I was born in Michigan. So it's just kind of, I haven't been there in many years, but uh, it'd be cool to go back. I'd actually like to go to the Kalamazoo thing too. Have you been to that, the expo? No, I actually keep um, <clears throat> kicking that around, but I think it happens right around the final weekend of our deer season here. Oh, okay. Oh, yeah, that's right. Yes, January. That yeah, and yeah. Um, and you know. I love you guys, but man, deer season's deer season, you know. <laughs> <laughs> You're making the right call, I think. And I'm, I'm usually having to, you know, I'm, I'm such a poor hunter. I, you know, I've got to make every minute count. So <laughs> same here. In fact, I actually had my 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 older shaver silver tip um, is named Procrastinator. <laughs> um, very the the one that's on the old design. And uh, it's named Procrastinator for like five or six consecutive years. I killed deer on the last day of the season. Actually, uh, most of the time, it was the last um, hunt set. Of the wow. day of the season. And in, in several of those instances, it was the only deer I killed of the year. Mm. And, um, and so I named, I named that boat Procrastinator. And, I like uh, it. Yeah, yeah, I used to do hog hunts, you know, and I still have a property for hogs, but it's long story. But, um, and it was always guys would call me and say like to hunt at that time of year for pigs because deer season ends, they want to hunt something. They don't want to do the hunting season to be over. So I could just never go to, to that, the Kalamazoo Expo. Um, and I still have family in Kalamazoo. So because of that, so I think next year, I'm just going to make a point of it. My wife is really good about, if you want to do something, you need to find a way to make it happen, especially if it's something I'm passionate about, like archery or fly fishing. And she's, she's great that way. And um, she said, you're going to TBOF. You're going like, not like you should go. I think you should think about going or like, no, you're going. Hey, and, uh, you know, that's awesome. That's awesome that she yeah. supports it. Yeah. I'm, 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 I'm lucky the same way. My wife, Penny, um, has always supported me uh, in my, my hunting and my outdoor endeavors never really held me back. Um, but, you know, she expected me to carry weight, mm -hmm. um, you know, uh, when, you know, when I'm not hunting and that weight somehow sometimes seems a little heavy, but, uh, <laughs> but you know, I'm, glad, I'm glad to do it. I'm actually glad that she's been, she's wonderful. I couldn't, uh, you know, I, 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 I married, I married well, I married well above my, uh, uh, my status, I think, you know, so, but, uh, yeah, it's, um, you know, flip, uh, flip palette. For those of you that don't know, it's, uh, did we talk about that? Well, we've been saying, well, flip. yeah, sure. Yeah. Obviously, uh, 
Um, he had a he the longest running uh, fishing show, I believe. Actually, it may have been the longest running show on ESPN when it I think so. Yeah, I can't remember how many seasons. Uh, Fifteen seasons, I think, called the Walker's Cake Chronicles, and it was a fishing show that wasn't a fishing show. Um, he spoke to the the brotherhood of the fishing, to the to the environment, to the habitat. Um, it wasn't about the fishermen. He made the show about the fish and the environment, um, and it and it it appealed to non fishermen. Mm. Um, you know, and out other outdoorsmen, not you know, as as well. Uh, just a wonderful show. I think you could still find them on um, a few of the episodes on YouTube. I believe uh, the Walker's Cake Chronicle fan club on um, Facebook still has some of the shows mm -hmm. uh, links to the shows up there. And uh, Hills Bay Boat Works, which he helped found. Um, yeah. Uh, has the uh, has the shows. Anyways, we won't get too much into his show. He can you can read about that. But his his thing he when we've been friends for a long time, and we were actually riding up to a TBOF uh, shoot a few years ago, and I was offered a retirement, an early retirement. And he goes, "What are you waiting on?" I go, "It's just a little early. I'm a little bit too young um, with the with the company I was working for." And then he started getting into, he goes, man, the one thing we can't bet, get back is our time. Mm -hmm. okay. And it's, there are, it's, you, it's not how long you live that's important. It's how long you are vital living, vitally living, which he means how long you are able to do what you want to do. There's only so many, as he says, tides left that we have, we don't know how many we have left. We only have so many tides left, so many, you know, sunrises left for, you know, to you know, put it differently. Um, but we need to make, a, make the most of the time that, you know, we can now because later we may not be able to do these things. Yeah. That we, want to do. we may not be physically able to do them or mentally able to do them. And uh, man, I really struck home. And then with COVID, um, uh, for the last two years and I hit uh, 60, I just decided that, uh, you know, it is my time. That's and I went great. ahead and pulled the trigger and he was my biggest cheerleader. Yeah, that's uh, awesome. I love that idea. Yeah, yeah. And you, you know, find a way to make a, make a living doing what you love. And, you know, as they say, you'll never work a day in your life. Mm -hmm. But, you know, you know, find, you know, you've got to take care of your family, but find the time to do what's important for sure yeah you don't so, you don't get that time back yeah no doubt. you ever hear that, that expression uh the saying uh god does not take from our allotted a lot of time on earth the time spent fishing i have i have we need to love do more that fishing, bud. yeah we need to do we need to do much much more fishing yeah you want to you want to you want to segue into the fishing we could talk trad bows all. Oh wait, before before we do that, I made a little note here because um, people say, "What you, you you didn't ask him what broadhead he shoots?" You know the gearheads out there. What 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 do you oh. like with broadheads? Uh yeah, I like them. I a like broadheads. Segue, but I have a lot of weird segues, so I like them. <laughs> no, that's fine. I I I like broadheads. Uh, um, I I'm I'm a 
I'm not a tinkerer per se, but I'll, I'll monkey around with different broadheads. And starting out, I used uh, the Zwicky Delta and I killed a pile of deer with a Zwicky Delta, killed, killed a hog or two. I'm not a big, big hog hunter. I did it all, all growing up. So, you know, as in my adult life, I'll just come across hogs. I'll sneak up on them and I'll poke them with my longbow, you know, just to get them out yeah. of the way. But um, well, the Zwicky Delta, then I've monkeyed around with um, some single bevels. I've monkeyed around with, uh, you know, three blade broadheads. I'm, you know, trying to get the best blood trail, you know, that's, Blood on the ground is what I'm looking for. And I keep trying all these, you know, I, I, I went down the, the um, all the penetration studies, rabbit hole, and, and I believe in all that stuff, uh, the Ashby studies. Mm -hmm. um, but when it's all said and done, I keep coming back to the Zwicky Delta. I just keep circling back to the Zwicky Delta. And... Um, it's is that the wider one i'm trying to think it's, is that the it's, 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 it's literally a delta yeah. it's, it's a delta wing broadhead it's not the uh the eskimo is the one that kind of tapers in at the back oh yeah the delta just flares it's yeah, not yeah. A flare, it's just a wide one mm -hmm. um but it's it's well made it requires a little bit of effort to get the get it sharp um initially but once you get the you have to reset the bevel basically but once you reset it then it's just a, a you know a quick field resharpening um have really no issues with pass screws on it and i'm using wood arrows and, and whatnot but uh um the most one of the most interesting aspects of the zwicky delta for me and jack zwicky loved this story uh when my daughter brooke was born 26 and a half years ago um my wife is a nurse we had a home delivery it was all planned no, no, no emergency but a buddy of mine um, uh, cut his uh, kid's umbilical cord with his Randall knife, another uh, uh, world famous knife maker, but uh, in Orlando. So it's very uh, uh, important to us Floridians to have Randall's. Yeah. Mm -hmm. But he cut his uh, kid's umbilical cord with his Randall knife at the hospital. And I go, well, shoot, I'm not going to, I got I to gotta cut my kid's umbilical cord with my Randall the midwife had one stipulation that it had to be sterilized. So my buddy, the, uh, Tim Lewis, who's a dentist, he goes, man, we can't sterilize your Randall because it'll ruin the handle. It'll ruin it. I'm like, God, I can't do that. And he suggested we sterilize, put in the autoclave, a Zwicky broadhead. I'll mount it on a, on a, a piece of uh, uh, a footed, uh, footed Douglas fir. Nice. We had to cut it. We had to cut it off in order to get it in there. So, so it's only about twelve inches long. So we did that. It's all wrapped up just like a surgical instrument. And uh, when it came time uh, to cut the umbilical cord, man, I popped that Zwicky broadhead out and grabbed a hold of it by the arrow shaft and went right through that umbilical cord. And the midwife looks at me. She goes, "I've never seen anything go through an umbilical cord that easily before." I go, well, you know, that's why I hunt with them. You know, the good old Zwicky Delta. So there may have been a few that's amazing. since me that have heard that story that may have done that. Um, in fact, I was really encouraging Dalton to do it. Dalton. Oh, was, yeah. You know, um, but because uh, we fished right before his voice. Yeah. Right before his daughter was born. But um, uh, 
I don't think he had the nerve to ask his wife. But um, she's a bow hunter too. She might have gone for it. I don't know. I'm telling you, man, what a great thing. I, I think Chris Horseman. Um, yeah, I know Chris. Yeah, I think he. I think he did one of his kids uh, with the broadhead after he heard it. But I may very well have been the first person to cut a cut a uh, umbilical cord with his wiki broadhead. I think maybe that's a pretty amazing. Jeez. Yeah, may, maybe you not. Ever tell Jack Zwicky that that story? I did. I actually did. Yeah, he he loved it. He loved it. Would have sent me a pack of broadheads, but he didn't. But uh, <laughs> Jack actually loved loved the stories. It is one of his favorite. Uh, Craven's Wiki Broadhead stories. You need never heard of anybody doing it. That's um, so cool. I think he thought it was a little crazy. So, <laughs> yeah, absolutely true story. We traditional bow hunters and fly fishermen are a little bit off. I think I've noticed. Have you noticed that? Because we're all a little bit different than the general population. Yeah, yeah we're what was what's the old uh, carpenter's term? Uh, we're uh, about a half a bubble off. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah. oh but well hey yeah fly fishing dalton yeah, man. you know man, yeah, I, I do i do love the fly fish. i love everything that's um uh, uh we talked about the mentioned this the other day to you but uh uh i call it the sticks and strings and sharp feather things mm -hmm. so fly fishing and traditional archery that should be this title of your book yeah, well, I've got to, I've got to kill a few more animals and have a few more adventures. Before. No, come on. Well, you, you can do it at know? the same time or after. Or, I love that title. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, you know, somebody's going to steal it. They can't patent a title, I don't think, but uh, or or copyright a title. But uh, in any case, so. when when did you get into fly fishing, or just was it conventional? You know, I assume at first. You know, Don Tom. I'm I'm good friends with Don and Lori Thomas, and Don you know was had been pestering me about fly fishing but you're you're a great traditional bow hunter you know you need to fly fish is is, is exceedingly traditional it's what traditional bow hunters should do is yeah fly fish and i go buddy let me tell you something in florida traditional is a 12 inch money mullet on a calcutta cane pole dangled in the lights of a bridge for a 40 inch snook so that's traditional cast netting your mullet so that's traditional he thought that's about true. it oh, yeah i guess it's, that is true but then he browbeat me enough i picked up the fly rod that actually was my wife's fly rod she had an interest in it um before i did and started casting and i'm a horrible caster but uh um, we went to the keys i took don and Lori down to the keys and um on my so it's my very first saltwater fly fishing trip and we're in the Keys, and um, I uh, needed to check in with Penny. And this was back in the fledgling era of cell phones. And we had uh, Lori's uh, cell phone. She was in another boat uh, fishing, bottom fishing for grouper bias. And uh, we were just out trying to bring some some fish up to the top. So I set my I set my rod down. I was a Loomis. Uh, yeah, G Loomis GL2 and an old Florida fly reel, which was, uh, you know, later became Nautilus, I believe. But mm -hmm. Yeah. And um, I set it down, my fly's dangling in the water. I'm trying to call my wife, Penny. And all of a sudden, my rod starts screaming across the deck of my boat. And I reach for it. I couldn't quite reach it. So it goes in the water. And I just dove right in after it. Yeah. And Fortunately, I caught up to it, 
And Don Thomas hears me go in and I, I'm, I actually had to swim down and, and get it. And I, I popped back up, so I was down for a few seconds. He actually had run over to the console of the boat and was grabbing the mic of the radio to call the Coast Guard because he thought I just had a big heart attack. Oh my God. I, I, I popped up out of the water, treading water, my uh, rod tip up. And, you know, I'm, I'm being very animated. The, the, the listeners won't be able to see, but I got my arm up and everything. <laughs> yeah. and I'm right now, as I tell it, I just look over at him, soaking wet. I go, fish on. <laughs> it turns out that I ended up catching uh, for my first fish on, a saltwater fish on fly, of all things, was a yellowtail snapper. Oh, really? And wow. It's hard enough to catch a yellow. I mean, you can chum yeah. them up and you can get them, get them up to you. But my first fish on fly was a yellowtail snapper. I thought it was pretty, pretty cool. But we now, we now refer to the episode as the uh, Don and I and Lori refer to it as the, uh, as the Davis dunk. You know, when I, when I went swimming for my rod, but man, I saved my rod. Mm -hmm. So if for some reason that reel never really hit, the drag never worked quite right after that. Yeah. But anyways, I, I, I ended up, uh, you know, I, I took to fly fishing and, uh, you know, I joined the local fly fishing club. I became an officer and, and, uh, uh, became, uh, in charge of securing speakers for our fly fishing club. And, and that's how I met a lot of, a lot of great people. Uh, I had met Flip many years ago, but we rekindled our friendship through that uh, in the early 2000s. And, uh, um, you know, it was, it was, it was great, but man, I, I told myself I was not going to put a spinning rod in my boat. I was not going to fish a spinning rod until I felt like I had mastered the fly rod and 20 years into it. I still do not feel like I've mastered the fly <laughs> rod. So, but I've had some good mentors, you know, Flip. Uh, yeah, I would Tom, say so. Yeah. You know, have, have all helped me out. And uh, Flip, and who, what was the second name? I'm, I missed that. Uh, Don Thomas. Oh, Don Thomas. Yeah. Don Thomas. Um, one of know, the greatest, great one of the great outdoor writers. There oh, is. yeah. Well, also, I got great encouragement from uh, uh, Jeffrey Cardenas, um, mm -hmm. who was a guide in Key West and wrote yep. a wonderful book called Marquesa. And a, a time and place with fish, I think it is. So it's kind of kind of become a cult classic. Uh, uh, he gave me great words of encouragement. Uh, um, Speaking of books, sorry to interrupt. Everybody, everybody goes to the seminar with uh, Lefty, you know. So, yes, I've been to one. Yep. So, um, but uh, have you um, read the book? Um, it's a recent book. It's called Lords of the Fly. Have you read that? I I, I have. Yeah, I I I, I wow. actually read it um here uh oh last summer i believe my gosh i couldn't put it down that was such a good book about the it's uh basically the history of tarpon and, and the, the world record tarpon like chasing records and line classes fly fishing the, uh, incredible not so much the history of tarpon i don't think as it is the history of the obsession yeah with catching a large tarp a record tarpon on fly that's it. Yep. And, um, yeah, Monty Burke did a, a wonderful job uh, uh, with the book. I felt as though um, how, however accurate some of the characterization characterizations of of some of the people in there that I have met 
um, were. Um, I don't know that I would have put it in print, um, <laughs> but uh, yeah. I didn't think some some of the some of the statements were not. I didn't think were flattering, but they're accurate and truthful. And yeah, so um, and that was that uh, it was uh, the Homosassa area of Florida was uh, in the eighties. I guess it was uh, the mecca for giant tarpon. Yep. Um, it, yeah, it is very fast. I've, I'm not a tarpon fisherman per se. I, I, I love my snook fishing. Mm -hmm. um, I do want to catch a large tarpon. I've never caught a large tarpon on fly. And by large, I mean anything over like 12 inches. But uh, <laughs> I've caught them up to like 30, 30 inches or so, you know, maybe 10 or 15 pounds. Uh, three, foot, three foot might be the biggest I've ever caught on fly and and then for me that's big enough that's plenty big yeah for yeah, sure they're, they're great fun especially when you're in the mangroves you know and that's what i that's my thing that's what i love to do oh yeah I, you know just god i just love i just love the fly i love the process i love tying the flies i love going out um i love fishing at night primarily that's what i do i fish the i like to fish the dock lights which is like shooting um fish in a barrel and that's primarily for snook you know yeah, you want to you want to describe that to the listeners that don't know. Well, um, it's uh, hardly fishing in in uh, native or pristine habitat. You're fishing amongst million dollar houses with um, God, million dollars would be the low end um, with you know uh, that have docks out into various uh, estuaries or rivers around Florida. And uh, most everybody has a dock light and the fish like to congregate around the dock lights, uh, the game fish, because that's where the bait is. So you pull up to a dock light, you can fish uh, all around a dock, it's public waters. And you pull up to a dock light and we usually don't even start seriously fishing until about 10 at night. Um, and uh, you'll see the snook milling around under the dock lights and uh, you throw the tiniest, tiniest little minnow fly or the tiniest, tiniest little uh, shrimp fly in there. But if you get it in the just the right spot with the with the current and current is key, um, give it a few twitches, you'll see the the uh, snook rush out and turn on the fly and, and take the fly and the visual is these are not large snook. They're 24 to 27 inches or so occasionally 28 or 29 will catch maybe a 30 we you know a handful of 30s over the years just on a dock but the the visual of these smaller snook nailing that fly is um is just it's just breathtaking and then and then of course snook are are a, a great fight uh and uh mike holiday a a, a guide in East Central Florida summed up snook fishing best. He said, of all the fish that you catch, you inshore fish, you never really are certain that you can land a snook until you land a snook. Mm -hmm. uh, because it's, you know, they got, as you know, they have that really rough mouth, sandpaper, and they can wear through a 30 or 40 pound leader like it's nothing. Even the small ones can do that sometimes. Oh yeah, and then and then you're always the snook are a structure fish, so you're always around structure. Oh yeah, they, they get you in the in the pilings or barnacles will cut you off. So there's always that you know, you're always you know in the back of your head going to lose one. But it's a 
if anybody has a, a hankering uh, from, you know, if you're visiting Florida and you're in an area, um, you know, get with one of the local guides that uh, ask them about, and if you're in snook territory, ask them about dock light fishing and do it with a fly rod. Oh yeah. Because it's not the challenge of the fly rod is that you'll catch more fish with a fly rod. Well, you can the imita fly imitate fly the bait better. Yeah, yeah, because they're hitting little tiny bait. Tiny, tiny stuff, um, yeah. And, um, you know, I got a little fly that I tied. It's a little tiny shrimp fly, and it takes me three ties. I don't tie anything that I'm going to fish for the, the snook unless I could tie it in three ties because I'm <laughs> going to lose a handful of flies. Uh, oh, yeah. Six or more every trip, but I'm not going to spend an hour tying a fly when, you know, I'm going to lose it. So I tie it's simple. It's three ties, and 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 we're on I'm, I'm i'm trying to figure i've got a little portable vice a little clamp on vice i'm trying to figure out how i can mount it in my skiff in order to tie flies because we you know, we always seem to run out of the the one that they're hitting <laughs> yeah what? and it does vary like just like any kind of fly fishing you know one day they'll want one fly the next day they'll like another fly so it's good to be versatile you know you have a full box or like you said a vice available to tie something that they want yeah you know or modify something that you have in your or modify life. yeah you know but can i can i tell you a quick story about yeah, of the, course lots of uh, some a flip story so you know flip loves loves to dog bite fishing as well and we, we you know we've done it a few times but most of the time he, he can't go because it's an all it's an all-night deal it's a tough deal I mean, we're is. not getting yeah we're not getting home until daybreak but Whenever I'm going, he if I meet him before I go on a trip, he always hands me a handful of flies that he ties. So he, you know, a uh, few years back, he tied up a bunch of uh, like number one um, uh, shrimp flies, and they were these very intricate, big shrimp flies. And I tie, I fish these, the snook at these little tiny things. Yeah, like, like oh wow, like yeah, little little tiny things. And I go, wow, flip, thanks. And these are like two and a half or three inches long. And I'm, <laughs> my flies are three quarters of an inch at best if I stretch out the fibers. And uh, so I go, thanks, flip. These are wonderful. You're great. And I'm back in my head. I'm going, oh my God, these are the biggest, gaudiest looking, looking <laughs> flies I've ever had in my mind. I can't tell flip this, you know? And, uh, you know, he's the, the, the guru of fly fishing. Um, so, but I, you know, I, I, I take them with me and, and I, I, we go out, go out to the dock lights and I have a, I have the fly on and my other two, I always let my guests fish first. And, um, for some odd reason, they weren't rigged. I was the only one rigged. So they go, Hey man, you go ahead and throw first. And I go, well, I got one of these, I got, I'm going to throw one of the, I'm going to throw this big old gaudy fly that flip tied until I snag a snook because I was confident that no snook in his right mind on the dock light was going to hit this big old fly. Mm -hmm. no They've never hit a big fly for me before. I get up, I strip out some line, I see the uh, talking about the talking about these flies that Flip had uh, had given me for um you know for fishing the dock lights. Big they, the I've never had a snook hit a, a fly the size that Flip gave me. Like and the size he, of a chicken. Yeah, very, like from river runs through it, the size of a chicken. 
Yeah, I, I, I'm very, very grateful that he gave it to me, obviously. But yeah. in the back of my mind, there's no way. I'm going to have to snag the fish, and, you know, but I'm not going to – I'm going to fish this fly until I lose it or I snag, um, snag a snook because I was confident that one was not going to eat it. So I strip out line, and I, I lay a cast out, uh, a horrible cast, but just happened to get into the right spot. And no sooner did it hit the water than a snook eats it. Wow. Okay. And I could come tight on a, you know, I wasn't even ready, but I get tight on a snook and fight it in. And usually when you fight one, they, they kind of settle down for a little bit. And, um, uh, but, you know, we get it in. I, I make sure we take a picture of the fly inside the snook's mouth so I can send it to flip. Um, <laughs> and I'm, I'm just amazed that the snook hit this. Man, wow. The snook hit this big old gaudy fly. It was actually a beautiful fly, but uh, you know, I say gaudy because I like to rip flip. But um, I unhook the fly and I let the snook go, and I go, "All right, next up." These guys are still not rigged. I go, uh, "My buddy Dominic, who fishes with me regularly, I go, well, here, just use use mines, throw this fly out there on them." He goes, "But your leader's all chafed up." I was just going to ask every time. So he throws out there. The the fly hits. Then a very he's an outstanding cast hits in a great spot he didn't even have to move it boom a snook hits that flips fly two casts with flips fly two fish bring it in i unhook the fly you know now the leader is really tore up and you know when it, when, I, when i say the leader's tore up that rough mouth for people who don't know it's just like it's like you take a, a monofilament and you just sand it but you know you're not sanding it smooth it's just got all the, it's just all this rough fuzz on on the monofilament and it's just a matter of time it's going to pop it's going to pop it's not going to take a whole lot to pop it so the fish are still hitting i go my buddy brandon that was with us i go brandon you're up because i'm not rigged yet throw he's very technical one of the best casters i've seen very very technical fly fisherman and he goes i can't fish that fly because the leader's all chafed up. The fish are going to see it. And they're not going to hit because of the leader's chafe. I go, dude, just throw the freaking fly out there. He grabs, he strips it out, and he's convinced that he's not going to catch a fish. He throws it out. It's in the great spot. Boom. He doesn't even have to twitch in the snook hits. And, I, and so with the, the fly that I thought would never, who would have thought that flip pallet could tie a fly that fish are going to like, you know? Yeah, really. It's an art of. Who would have thought that? But, um, uh, Three casts with that fly, the same fly, resulted in three fish for three different people. And I told I told Flip that story, and I go, buddy, to be honest with you, I didn't think I was going to catch anything with your fly, but I was going to fish it until I lost it. And he goes, why would you ever doubt me? I go, I don't know because I'm an idiot. I don't know. <laughs> that, so that, he said that actually sounded like his voice. Why would you ever that sounded just like him? <laughs> <laughs> and he still get, he still he may not after hearing this he may not give me any more flies. But uh, <laughs> but uh, uh, he still he still That's hands me cool. a handful of flies. You know when he knows I'm going fishing and and um, and they're the same fly and they they catch fish, man. But he, yeah, I met I met two people um, this week this past weekend at TBOF. Um, cause I had a, I had a, a bench set up with some flies and some hats that my wife crochets and, and I actually sold quite a few flies. I actually sold more Sunday. I didn't expect to sell anything. I was just going to hang out with Donnie Wilkerson, but I sold a, a couple kit fly kits and 
but on Saturday, Flip walked by and like, you know, you know how he walks and then I think he's had his hands in his pocket and he just by himself and he just kind of glances over at the table and just looks forward and keeps walking. I was like, oh, so crestfallen. I was like, can you, <laughs> but I can say, you know, Flip Pellet looked at my flies, you know, like, like, oh no, but it wasn't even that, but I was going to tell, I met two people that uh, one guy was really inebriated. Although I have to say TVOF is not a big drinking function that I've seen, but that I've, anyway, um, doesn't matter, but he, he, we were talking fly fishing and he goes, yeah, I live up in Pensacola. I fish reds and this and that. And I said, yeah, I have a table set up. You do? I said, yeah, not only that, but did you know Flip Pallet was here today? He goes, what? Like, Flip Pallet was here? Like, just like, I, you know, you just couldn't believe it. And then another guy, I can't remember the other guy, but same, same kind of reaction that are traditional bow hunter, but also fly fish and saltwater fly fish. So they knew, of course, right away who he was. But, um, oh yeah, just, well, uh, you know, he, he, he's um, is always quietly known that he was a uh, uh, traditional bow hunter, and in fact, um, I think back in the early back in oh three or oh four somewhere in that range, maybe oh five, um, traditional bow hunter magazine ran an interview where Don Thomas interviewed Flip Pallet about oh, traditional cool. bow hunting. Uh-huh. And, uh huh. I mean. Don Thomas and Flip Pallet, it doesn't get any better than that, you know? And that interview took place on my back porch at my house. Oh, cool. So that was, that was real, that was really cool. And we went out and we fit, we had, we went out with uh, Flip and uh, I'm in a couple boats and we uh, shad fished, you know, up in the St. John's river and, and um, had a, had a grand old time. And uh, that was the first time I ever had, Diane Pallet's, we had a dinner later, Diane Pallet's um, sour orange pie. Oh, wow. I made pitiful reproductions, but, but good pies, but pitiful in comparison. I've never had, I've had other people's sour orange pies, which is a very Floridian thing. Sure. Um, yeah. Or the people from not, a, not native Floridians or crackers, um, a sour orange pie is very similar to a key lime pie, but usually without the graham cracker crust. And of course, um, has a slightly orange flavor over the lime flavor for the tartness. Um, I, I, most people prefer it over key lime, but um, hers is to this day is, is, is uh, the, the gold standard. Um, I keep trying to browbeat her into making one, but I, I, I've been unsuccessful, you know, but um, Anyways, I don't even know where I was going going with all that, but uh, anyway, you know, anyways, we had a, we had a wonderful time with uh, Don Thomas fly fishing and and flip and and getting together. It was just it was just a grand a grand time, and of course, I'm you know I'm much younger than I am now, and for for me, as two of the guys I idolize that have become friends um, over the years, that uh, you know I was just in 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 I was like those guys that you ran into at TVOF, like. Flip Pallet's here. Yeah, like, Thomas and Flip Pallet are on my porch. I might call him up. Don Thomas and Flip Pallet are on my porch. <laughs> you know, that's what it's been. so that was that was that was a pretty cool experience. And I've been fortunate over the years. I've gone out and Don's come down and fished with me on a number of occasions. I've gone out and hunted with Don um, in Montana, and I've killed. Been fortunate. I've killed uh, uh, three eight points and 
uh, believe a doe, an antlerless deer um, uh, at Don Thomas's place over the years in Montana. Yeah, you wrote an article, right, about uh, in TVM? Yeah, that oh. was the one we talked about earlier. That was uh, the um, uh, about the, my first hunt there. Well, that was the the friends in snow places. Oh yeah, thought of an eight point that was it was just a, it was just one of my best hunts because of how it went about with a the rut. These mm -hmm. were rutting deer, and the and they um, you know we don't experience the same kind of rutting activity as they do in other areas in Florida, but. Um, it was it was a, ch a cat and mouse game for an hour or so, and finally this this eight point comes underneath me, and I shoot him at three or four yards, and I watch him fall twenty or twenty or thirty yards away. Of course, they fall down the coulee, which a coulee <laughs> is like a big ravine, so you know you have to drag it back up. But ju just out of sheer coincidence, um, Lori had invited. Um, Dick Robertson um, and family and Rosie Roseland, who's another huge traditional archer, um, world-class lion hunter, world-class bow mm -hmm. hunter. Known as a lion hunter, right? And bow hunter. Known, known well as a lion hunter. Um, invited Rosie and his wife, Lisa, um, to dinner that night. So, and I happened to shoot this buck. So the dinner became a celebration of my buck and I, I as I like I wrote in the article we have uh you know we toasted the animal you got to pay tribute to the animal um and we toasted the the hunt and the animal over and over again it was you know how better could it be my first year in Montana and I'm having dinner celebrating the hunt with Don and Lori Thomas, Dick and Vicki Robertson, um, Yana and Yvonne Robertson, I believe. Yote was out of town harvesting juniper, which the, the juniper that he harvested later became a bow of mine. Oh, wow. Um, and uh, Rosie, Rosalind, and, and his wife, Lisa, Gosh. all at the dinner table at the Thomas what, Moran. What, could, what more can you ask for? That's, that's... It, 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 it doesn't, it just doesn't, it won't ever be better than that. It was. It, it just can't be. I don't know how. I don't know how it could be. So that was. That was. That was an incredible experience. Incredible. Do you remember what? What? Um, probably don't remember the issue. But do you remember what year that was? That article was. My. I remember article, reading it, but I'm. I probably have the magazine somewhere. But I'm just curious. Oh, um, I'm thinking it was probably around. The hunt was in 05. Okay. So it was. I'm thinking it might have been in 08. I'm going to look I, for it if, again, if, read it, reread it. I think if you Google it, um, traditional bow hunter friends in snow places, it would, the, the date would come up. Um, and uh, of course, uh, you know, my writing is pitiful, but. No, um, I thought an amazing story. Really, really well written. Well, well, yeah. Well, the magic of Don Thomas's editing is what made it appear well written. You're only you're you're only as good as your editor, and um, that he did not completely reject it um, is amazing to me. You know, but uh, he wanted he wanted the story to be told, so he did. Him and, and Jay Campbell also assisted a little bit, uh, uh, but uh, you know that that the, without without their magic, the the story probably never could have gotten told. 
but it yeah, it was it was it was a, a remarkable experience. Montana, if you get the chance to go hunt Montana, hunt Montana. It's a special place. I my Montana friends that may listen to this are going to hate me for saying it, but go hunt my in fact let me tell you don't ever come to, no you, i can't say that you run a guiding business not anymore though florida. not anymore oh don't come to florida then <laughs> <laughs> we're closed we're full <laughs> <laughs> but uh, no montana is a special place um, I, I was fortunate to, to go there and kill an elk with um mark baker i drew just a of hard to get tag and 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 killed an elk and i had it was a spike bull that which was legal at, um, in this particular area, and uh, had rather than have the antlers, I, I took the antlers and had uh, Doug Campbell make um, make knives and use the antlers for antler scales for oh, the cool. of the elk. So you know of the elk I shot, um, and uh, but yeah, Montana is a special place. Uh, I love yeah, pretty, Illinois. Pretty good fishing too. I've caught exactly. <laughs> I fished exactly one morning in Montana, and uh, Don. I met Don in Yellowstone, and we went fish the Gardner River, I think it was, and it was blown out. But we found uh -oh. a little. We were we found a little tiny place um, where you know I could get a decent drift, and damn if I didn't catch a uh, a rainbow. Nice. You know, and be honest with you, you know I've caught. I'm, I'm a snook fisherman. Yeah. So I didn't, thank God I didn't feel the strike or else I would have jerked this, the, the head of this little trout off. I was, <laughs> I, was, I was lifting my rod to back cast and I thought I was hung up on some weed and all of a sudden I see it flopping around and I have a, I have a rainbow, maybe a five inch, six inch rainbow on the end. So that was, that's just, you know, I didn't even see the take. I didn't even know I had a fish on. So. Yeah. Well, if you're in deer, if you're in Montana during deer season, you should be deer hunting. Well, well I was in, yeah, this was a summer family trip. So, oh, okay, so, it was. Okay. Yeah, so, yeah no, I've, um, Don lives near a very good trout stream, um, no tellum stream. Mm -hmm. uh, and we can't name it. Gotcha. But, uh, it's called, so we, I, you know, just when I reference it, it's no tellum stream. But, um, but no, I've never, I've never dropped the line in there never drop the fly in there because it's i'm deer hunting yes it's deer season and it's a little cold you know and i'm not going to go out and wade you know and have ice form up on my guides and yeah. all that you know, for for a trout you know i'm a hell i'm a snook fisherman <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> if i'm not sweating i'm not fishing that's right what, what do you got it do you got any hunt plans for this this fall you know my um i'm going to try one of my my hunting goals is to uh, sneak up and touch a live whitetail. Hmm. I've not done it. I've had the I had an opportunity um, one, once where a, a deer actually jumped over me. A doe jumped over me. Um, it came around some palmettas, and I just happened to be there. And it was in mid jump, and I I um, I ducked, you know, and it couldn't change direction and i could have just reached up and touched her gosh but, uh, yeah, uh, I, had, I had a red fox jump across my lap once what was that i had a red fox once i was deer hunting in new york and i had my legs stretched out in front of me leaning against a tree and i was like on the edge of this ravine and a 
red fox just came down the edge of the ravine, you know, on the trail, the deer trail, jumped over my legs and just kept going. Never knew I was there. Didn't even react like it even saw me. Like I was, my legs were like a log. <laughs> those, are, those, those, those are the best hunts. Yeah. You know, I'll never you forget that. You don't have to kill something to have a great hunt. Um, and with that remind me, in fact, uh, um, it reminds me of my, my very, very best. I teased you with this at the, uh, at the TBOF, uh, about my best hunt. I'm not going to tell you my best hunt. Can you, um, can you pause that? Hold that thought for one sec. Sure. Okay. Hold on one sec. So you were talking, you teased me with this story a little bit at TBOF. Or was it on the phone? I don't remember. Um, uh, you know, I, I believe at TV, one or the other. Um, but anyways, it's, uh, and it, and it may, you may think of it as, God, that's his best hunt. <laughs> but uh, for some odd reason, I can tell you the exact date. It was uh, December 23rd, 1995. I just remember it because it was my, uh, my late father's birthday. And 95 was the year my daughter was born. The, you know, the one whose umbilical cord was cut with the Zwicky broadhead. Mm -hmm. But anyways, I was hunting in um, one of our creek bottoms, creek swamps in central Florida, beautiful place to hunt. And I was uh, just slipping along the, um, the edge of the, uh, about 10 yards in from a, from a cow pasture um, um, in the swamp. And, and you know, the, the, this particular swamp, uh, Florida swamps, creek bottoms are typically a mix of, uh, of bay trees, um, cypress oak uh cabbage trees or, or uh, what we call cabbage trees uh cabbage the cabbage palm or the sable palm palm tree uh just beautiful just gorgeous gorgeous uh, florida woods but in any case i'm slipping along the the edge and i decide i'm gonna i'm gonna just good spot got a trail in front of me so i sit down on a fallen log and as as people do when they sit down on a stump or a log, they set their your bow their bow across their lap, and the arrows knocked and it's sitting out. And I mount my broadheads vertically, so with the bow laying across my lap, the broadhead is horizontal. And out of the corner of my eye to my back, and I have the wind in my face, but to my back I spy some movement and I see some hen turkeys working the fence line along the the pasture so well, that's cool there's some turkeys um yeah they're not legal but uh, i kind of eyeball them and then out of the corner of my eye um upwind of me i see something large and brown i go that's a deer and then i look a little bit closer i go that's not a deer i go oh man that is a big tom bobcat and I go, he must be, sh he's shadowing these, these hens in the, in the pasture. So I'm just watching it. Just, you know, bobcats are legal at that in December in Florida. Mm -hmm. I think special cat, they're, they're legal game. Um, uh, I believe the season starts December 1st. And uh, I'm watching this bobcat. I have no intention of shooting it. And it passes by me at um, 20 or 30 yards and still shadowing these turkeys. I had to win in my favor. It couldn't smell me. Yeah, I go, let me just mess with it a little bit. So I squeak. I just make a little, me, little squeaking, pitiful sound. And next thing I know, this bobcat is 10 feet away. 
Wow. Holy cow. And he comes in and he's looking around. I'm being perfectly still. I still have the wind in my favor. And, but he knows something's not quite right, but he's eyeballing me, but uh, he doesn't know what to think. And then the turkeys catch his attention again. He starts to turn away and go after the turkeys. So when he turns away, I squeak again. Go, Ding. Next thing I know, that bobcat is directly Okay. okay. So, anyhow, this I make a squeak and this bobcat ends up right directly in front of me. And I've got, a, I'm, I'm getting a little concerned. I, got, I have to admit, I have a little tension on the string. And it's eyeballing me, you know, just trying to figure out what I, what I, um, what I am. And um, next thing I know, he slowly stretches his nose out and he sniffs the tip of my Zwicky broadhead and he reaches out he sticks his tongue out and he licks the, the my the bottom of my Zwicky broadhead how he the only reason he didn't cut himself on it was because the you know, wife West wife said I mount the way I mount my broadheads it was horizontal at the time mm -hmm. so he, he reaches out with his tongue he licks my broadhead he decides you know just looking at me and he's really giving me the eye and i go i've got to do something so i didn't want to shoot him or try to shoot him so i just stand up um and uh he takes a step back and he looks at me and then he just walks fast walks off doesn't run off doesn't trot off just a fast walk and he gets back on those turkeys maybe very very bold bobcat but um, that's amazing. It didn't kill anything. But to me, that was my that was the my that's my favorite hunt, because how many people have could say that a bobcat licked their broadhead? <laughs> everything's nobody. But everything centers around the Zwicky broadhead. Yeah, but, really. Um, it was just it was just an incredible. Uh, 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 people have been attacked by bobcats, turkey hunters, and stuff. Yeah, but. Yeah. But just to have one that close and that curious about me, and one thing, he, as close as he was, I never, and it, never heard him. And this is de late December in in a, in a swamp with hardwoods. There's leaves everywhere. Mm -hmm. you can't, that bobcat, the whole time, I never heard a sound from that bobcat. It, you know, they are they are such stealth stealthy uh, uh, hunters that they can go through the, the uh, a swamp with dry leaves, like, you know, in, you know, like a ghost, no noise whatsoever. It was incredible. Yeah. That, you know, that's, that, that's, that's my favorite hunt. That's you know, not a, not a big white tail, not a giant elk, <laughs> you know, not a, any of the big five in Africa. It's a little old Florida bobcat coming up and stiffing my arrow, you know, looking very, very cool. I think, yeah. Trad guys can identify with that. Not literally that, specifically that story, but like the, uh, the appreciation of it. You know, oh, yeah, there's no doubt. You know, the, the trad guy, you know, fly fishermen, you know, they can uh, uh, appreciate the, uh, you know, not catching any fish, but man, I was throwing good loops today, you know? Yeah. Uh, you know, or you lose a snook, go, man, did you see the take? 
did you see that strike you know did you see that trout rise on that fly so i think when you when you increase the difficulty in harvesting game or you increase the difficulty um, in catching fish that you learn to observe and appreciate the things that otherwise get missed in the process mm -hmm. traditional bow hunting and fly fishing are process oriented activities it's not about the the end goal it's about your process and your journey towards that goal in fact the goal is rather anticlimactic if you ask me yeah you know, yeah when you achieve it, it's kind of like ah oh, man it's over you know yeah. it's the along those lines i um you know I, I do a bit of guiding in the everglades and if i and it's almost all fly fishermen but if i have a trip coming up um usually it's tradition the night or maybe two nights before the trip i'll tie it for what i call fresh flies you know air quotes i have a <laughs> 10,000 white divers, not 10,000, but I have a, I have a boxes and boxes of flies that would work perfectly well, but I want to have a fly that's fresh for the next day because it's part of the process of going fishing, going fly fishing, right? Um, putting the canoe on the top of my Jeep, that's part of it. You know, um, setting the alarm clock, little things, like it all is part of it. And if I leave out a part, I'm, it's less, it means I don't know, this is something weird probably, but it means less to me, you know what I mean? In a way, I don't want to cheat myself of any part of that. No, absolutely not. It's, it's, the, it's, the, it's the, the sharpening broadheads, right? The sharpening broadheads, you know, your finger on you know, everything, <laughs> it's all part of the process. It's a, uh, um, it's, it's the, it's those little things that build the memory. Yeah. You know, the, it, you know it's, you know, the the house is you know you build a house and it's the uh you gotta you know you that's your end goal but the the little the little bricks you know that's how it's built you, in order to build memories all these little the little things that go in it it's like when i took dalton lewis some uh snook fishing he thought i was nuts but when we catch when we catch the first snook for the boat everybody in my boat has to say the skunk is out of the boat we will not continue to fish until everybody says i've had some people refuse to say it and i will not allow them to throw a fly until they say it they i love will be it they will be <laughs> say it but it, we have to say the skunk is out of the boat and i have two rules when i fly fish for snook on the on the lights rule number one um, everybody has to say that. Rule number two, we we don't leave until we catch a snook. Mm. Actually, I have three rules. Um, the, the first rule is just a given. But uh, the next rule is, uh, if I, sh I, I can choose to invoke it, it's all up to me because I'm keen in my boat. Um, we don't leave until Don catches a snook. <laughs> <laughs> so sometimes i'm fishing really 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 horribly those guys are kind of hoping i don't invoke the dawn rule oh yeah I, 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 I'm perfectly about, fair it's your boat man all, all about these little things like with hog hunting i you know i i don't personally shoot hogs much anymore but i i love going on hog hunts with friends of mine mm -hmm. and um I, I i tell my friends i go i go my definition of a legal hog is one we can drive to. 
Okay, but we can't drive to it. It's not a legal hog and you can't shoot it. Because <laughs> I don't want to drag a hog out of the swamp. Yeah, yeah we talked about that recently. It's like dragging a bag of wet cement. My gosh, the worst animal. Oh, God, drag. I think I'd rather drag a bag of wet cement. Yeah, it's crazy how awkward and I don't know what it is about their anatomy, but yeah, they're dense, dense animal. No, God. Did I, um, I don't know if we have time yet, but did, yeah, did sure. I tell you? The, the story with uh, um, my buddy Tino hunting the hogs with the muzzleloaders. No. Oh, well, well I, I took my buddy Tino, Tino Villaverde, uh, great hunter, by the way, Span, little Span, uh, uh, Spanish fellow from, from Spain. So um, he loved going out hunting, hunting on this piece of property of mine because we were just loaded with hogs. And, I, you know, I laid the rules down for him. You know, we got to be able to, you know, um, you know, drive to it, blah, blah. So we were in the swamp and we were way away from anywhere we could drive to, but we were just slipping around, just looking for signs, scouting. All of a sudden, we hear something, we see some sign, there's some pigs down in the swamp. And I'm looking, I see the pig and I see about a, a 40, you know, 30 to 40 pound choke. And uh, Tino taps me, he goes, Dunny. Donnie, can I shoot the death of pig? Can I shoot the death of pig? I go, God, Tino, man, it's kind of small. He goes, what are you talking about? Are you crazy? It is not a small pig. Can I shoot that pig? I go, you know the rule, but it's it's so small that, yeah, if you really have to shoot that pig, go ahead and shoot that pig. He was shooting a muzzleloader at the time. So he, you know, lays down, gets it in the sights, and kaboom, and all this black powder flies everywhere. And then I see the, I see the pig run off, stop, look back at us, continue to run, stop, look back at us, and just take off. I go, buddy, you missed that pig. He goes, what are you talking about? I go, I just saw it run off that way. He goes, no, my pig is laying right there, dead in the swamp. He went right down in his tracks. I look over, and there's a 200-pound boar hog sitting over did <laughs> you know, i was looking at the wrong pig if i'd have seen that big giant pig i would have never let him shoot it but then he shoots this pig up oh my god you know what have you done go that's an illegal pig goes, what do you mean it's an illegal pig don't you go we can't drive to it and we ended up having to drag that pig i don't know 400 yards oh. out of the swamp through the palmettas you know of course and, and we can't quarter them you can but there's such a dirty animal mud everywhere yeah. that we talk about that gets on um, the meat you're, you're going to have it's, you're just going to the dirt no matter how careful you try to be you're going to get the, the meat all dirty and um so we drug it out we finally got to a spot where i could drive to and we lo- got it loaded up and it was everything we could do to get it loaded up in the truck and the whole time we're dragging i'd stop every 10 feet or so and i turn around and i punch him <laughs> you know so this is for making me drag a pig you know punch him but it, he was very happy with the pig and i'm happiness and, it, and it, it, it it was a miserable experience but it turned out to be a wonderful memory you know one of those those little mm-hmm. things so had nothing to do with bows and had nothing to do with fly fishing it was a fun hunt very cool but great story it was, actually, it, was a, it was a miserable hunt it's a fun memory <laughs> <laughs> so no well, don this is this has been great man very Excellent storytelling. Um, 
been wanting to do this for a while. You're one of my first, the first people I thought of, one of the first when I started the podcast, and uh, I'm glad you were able to join me. Wow, man, I'm, I, I really appreciate the opportunity, uh, uh, Jim. I'm, I'm humbled that you asked me. I'm I'd love to have you back, actually, too. I'm, I'm, I'm concerned that you were so desperate uh, to pass. <laughs> Not at all. Such a Everybody knows song. Don Davis. Oh, eh, I don't know about that, but uh, you know they know they know that they know to go the other way when they see me coming. I think maybe, but uh, man, I, again, it's been it's been a pleasure. And uh, we have to get together and drown some flies. Yeah, we need to do it. It's been and if you and you may, you may be able to talk me into shooting a pig. I don't know. Somewhere. <laughs> Let's start with the fly fishing. We'll see how that. And I'll, I'll I'll see if I can't grab some uh, some awful uh, awful looking uh, snook catchers that flip ties. Yeah, really. Yeah, he's a, so, he's a fair angler. I heard. Um, yeah, yeah, he's 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 a passable angler. I think. So. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks All a lot, right, Don. Buddy. Appreciate it, buddy. Hey, thank you, man. I appreciate you. You hey, have a hang good. On. Hang on a minute, okay? Sure. Hey guys, if you'd like to support the podcast, please go to Patreon and search up Jim Dusayas. Thanks a lot.